0: chris lewitt is an internationally recognized high performance coach educator and author of two best-selling books the tennis technique bible and the secrets of spanish tennis tune in weekly as chris answers questions live from around the world and discusses topics in junior development technical and tactical training spanish tennis methods and philosophies and more the Prodigy Maker Show is primarily focused on high performance junior training and how to help children maximize their potential. The program features intelligent insight from Chris and debate from leaders in the high performance industry. The show can be watched live on Chris's Facebook profile, and video versions of the show are archived at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And now, here's Chris.
1: What's up, amigos? It's the Prodigy Maker Show. Episode 49 with yours truly, Chris Lewitt, high-performance coach and author of The Secrets of Spanish Tennis and the Tennis Technique Bible. Today is more of a Technique Bible show, I want to talk about the volley, a little bit about my philosophy on the volley, my methodology, and the technique that I like to build, especially for young players. How do you develop the volley for young players? The last episode, episode 48, check it out. It was a good one, kind of an interesting show where I talked about how they developed the volley in Spain, uh, particularly relating to the, the great legends of Spain like Luis Bruguera and William Pato Alvarez and Jose Higueras and, you know, legends like that, their volley philosophy and how they developed the net game. And so, on today's show, I promise you guys, I would talk about how I like to develop uh, the net, the volley. Maybe we can talk a little smash, but essentially, what I'm looking for in terms of the technique. So, in many of the earlier shows that we did, I like to talk. uh, We did some very technical shows, and so I want to kind of get back to the, to my roots a little bit with the volley technique. Volley technique is. Sometimes over-practice, sometimes under-practice. Some coaches spend a lot of time on the volley with young children. You know, my expertise is in childhood development, junior development, junior tennis, and high-performance training for young kids, especially younger ones, kids under, under 12. And, you know, do you start with the volley? My dad started me with the volley when I was a kid. I think that was probably a mistake. Do you start with the ground strokes? Do you try to work everything all at once? I think these are common questions in junior development. So I've touched on these topics before, but I just thought we'd do a show about it and kind of wrap, talk about the volley. If you happen to tune in live, let me know any questions you have about Diwali, whether it's technique or philosophy, how to, de- how to develop uh, uh, the net game. And we can have uh, a good discussion about that. So... The volley, in general, I have. I was thinking about how I would categorize or explain my philosophy, and I guess it's a hybrid, as in many things that I do, a hybrid between what I learned from my Israeli coach Gilad Bloom and his Israeli style, I would say, uh, which was a very, very technical approach to the volley, and. What I've learned from studying so many years in Spain uh, about how they developed the net game. So I think I've I've come to a happy medium or melding of those two philosophies and those two styles. And I'll try to just summarize that for you and explain it. But essentially what that means is for for my old coach for for Gilad, uh for the for the Israeli approach. It's all about getting to the net uh, as much as possible, and Gilad has had a very, I would say, exquisite. I don't want to say complicated, maybe like like um, yeah, a little bit complicated style to the volley uh, method, where Gilad wanted a very slice volley, a volley with a lot of underspin, and you have to have the pretty much. A complete game at the net you have to have every shot in terms of uh, sharp angles drop shots uh, half volleys reflex volleys and have uh, approach half volleys mid-court volleys and of course swinging volleys so the idea was you use uh, you take the ball on the rise and you, you, your goal essentially in a point is to transition to the net and finish points at the net. It's very aggressive, and I think his uh, aggressive style and his his uh, technical approach was was very exquisite and co- a little bit complex. A lot, a lot of details with the the volley form. We can dig into that a little bit. And in comparison, in Spain. I found a more simple approach a more conservative approach to the net uh many times in spain you don't uh the coaches don't don't necessarily encourage you to go to the net. the net is valued but only after spending a good amount of time on the baseline structuring the point there, and sometimes you'll just win the point there, so I think there's a very different uh philosophy in general, it's important for coaches and players and parents to understand uh, the difference and where they are in that spectrum. So are you going to build a player whose main goal is to dominate the net, uh, to take every ball early and attack, uh, a la Roger Federer, especially in his uh, later incarnations here uh, as he gets older? Or are you going to try to develop a player whose Primarily a baseline player who will take opportunities to move to the net to finish points, but is also it 's not necessarily looking to do that as a general overarching meta strat, uh, strategy um, so a, a baseline player who hits a big shot and moves forward and finishes is different than someone who who is actively trying to win dozens of points in a match at the net, uh, including going to the net behind the serve. Which is also something which we could maybe discuss because the serve is, uh, the serve and volley is very much uh, now a pretty rare strategy. I I think that it has a chance to come back. But what we've seen in the last 10 or 20 years is uh, many professional players and players at all levels. moving away from the net, uh, uh, going to the net uh, much less frequently. So that's, that's been a big trend on, at the top level. And it's, I think that's also filtered down to lower levels as well. Maybe not at the club or recreational level, but certainly uh, higher level junior and college tennis as well. So if I have a little kid in front of me, maybe an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old, you know, when they're young... I really don't spend that much time on the volley. For a, a little kid, I, I want to make sure they have a complete game, but they don't have to get there by 8. They don't have to get there by 10. I'm speaking in generalities here, but in general, I want players to be comfortable with the net. I don't want my, my players to have any fear of the net. Uh, but I also want to work within their personality. So. That being said, sometimes you have a player who is very gung ho and aggressive, and they love to create, very creative uh, type players. Sometimes I call them magicians. And they, from a very young age, even five, six, seven, eight, they love the net. They want to be there creating, volleying, attacking. And when I see a special kid like that, I I tend to play, do a little more network with them, but in general, most kids who are kind of who are not really magicians in that respect—they're not creative, artistic geniuses. You now I can think of this one little boy who I coached recently, Ty Ty Switzer, who is a number one player in the East here, and he's now on the ITF circuit, and he has a big goals for the pro tour in mind and amazing talented kid. And from eight or nine years old, he always had great hands, always had good volleys. And I nurtured that. I was not foolish enough to say, oh, no, no, uh, you can start working on the volley when you're 13 or or 12 or 13 or 14. Don't worry, we have lots of time. Uh, you know, I, I definitely developed his baseline skills, but I always respected the fact that he was a net lover <laughs> And that hes was going to have this beautiful all around all court game, you could see it already at eight or nine years old in this uh super talented kid. Uh, Ty Switzer, remember the name great, great talented player. I think you'll hear that name in the future on the pro tour if we're all if we're lucky. And at the same time, I think for most kids who are not really magical like that. They, they don't need to spend 50% of the time at the net. You know, I see it's a big mistake that coaches make developmentally, parents too. I think they spend too much time at the net when the kids are young and their ground strokes and footwork are not fully formed. I'm a huge believer, and it's probably the Spanish influence, all the, all the studying I've done there over the years in Spain, where I want to see a young player who moves well. I want to see a young player who has a rock-solid technique in the backhand and forehand and spend a lot of time on the serve for, for kids you know, under 8, under 10, under 12. And that's not to say we never work on the volley, but we definitely underweight the volley unless they show me that aptitude and that love of the net, that those magical skills The creative genius the the artistry where they love to be up there and when i see that in a kid i try not to shut it down i think it's a shame when a coach just shuts that down and says no don't go there don't go to the net uh but at the same time i think for most players they need to understand that tennis is uh, a game that is is built from the baseline to be a top junior player you have to have uh, almost without exception, uh, strong, consistent ground strokes. You have to move well. You have to be able to run well and position well. And so those are very Spanish ideas. And I think that that should be, if you have a pie and you're going to uh, start cutting out percentages of your time, your uh, your training pie, your training time, uh, the the volley should be, you know, Oh, 10%, 20%, 25%. The volley shouldn't be taking up 50% or more of the development time in a young kid unless you have some, you know, maybe that, that exception to the rule, you know, that kid who's who's uh, just, you can see that that's going to be a, a big, big part of their, it's where their personality draws them. Uh, so that, that's what I would say at the start is is try to find a balance between uh, the net and the baseline work and overweight the, the a little bit more the baseline and the movement, the footwork. Because I just think it's wrong when, you know, I have kids who come to me at 10 or 11 or 12 and you can see that the coach has spent time at the net. They've taken many lessons, uh, private lessons, and... You know, a typical private lesson, and I've seen this cycle go on for years and years, is a coach will take a kid. They'll do a warm up, uh, some some ground stroke work, and then they'll devote a uh, part of the hour to volleys, and then a little bit of serving at the end. And that's a common lesson. I think when that lesson is allowed to continue for a long time, six months, a year, multiple years. You end up with a kid typically at 10, 11, or 12, and I see a lot of these kids, and this is my warning to all of you, if, if you're in that kind of environment where everything is so balanced, and so, uh, and the, the coach is training the volley, the serve, the ground strokes, all in one lesson, without really digging into the repetitions from the ground, the, the movement and footwork, uh, in, in uh, with more focus and more detail, I I I've seen it so many times and, uh, that that at, at 11, 12, you have a player who is not not fundamentally sound from the baseline, doesn't move that great, has uh, inferior movement skills, is not consistent enough to be a top-ranked player, and yet they have some good hands at the net. And I, I just think that what's the point of that? Uh, for me, as a as an elite junior developer, as as a top junior coach, what I want by the time a kid's 11 or 12 it's, I want that kid to be a machine from the baseline and to have no fear uh, of going to net now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that they they're going to go to net a lot it, they they may go some personalities may go to net a little more than others as i mentioned but in general as a general outline or blueprint or game plan is you want a young kid to be super solid from the baseline, to move very well, move efficiently with balance and and good uh, uh, fine-tuning to the ball with the feet, good positioning, as they say in Spain, with the capability, capability to move forward, preferably behind a big shot like a big forehand. And understanding how you build points from the backcourt, zone three, to the mid-court, zone two, and to the front-court, zone one. And that points can be structured that way, but they don't necessarily have to be structured that way. And that's the difference between the Spanish approach and what my old coach, Gilad, Gilad Blooms, he's a wonderful coach, very talented coach. He's brilliant in many respects. When he taught me the Israeli system, it's very much about attacking and that every point, you're looking to move forward. And that's the way my dad taught me. That's the way a lot of players played in the 80s and in the 90s. Many guys whom I modeled, like Pete Sampras or Stefan Edberg, Boris Becker, some, some of my favorite players from back in the day, their games were predicated on taking the ball early and, and finishing at the net, putting pressure on the opponent and, and carrying the, the day that way. And I just, I just moved away from that. I played like that as a junior. I copied Sampras. You know, I love Sampras so much. I loved Pat Rafter. I loved Tim Henman. I loved Stefan Edberg. You know, all, all of the net rushers, I was a big fan. And I used to model my game the same way when I was a kid. And I moved away from that, both for my own game as I got older and started training in Spain and became a much more all around player. And I'm so happy now that I can play well from the baseline, and build points and win points in multiple ways, and and um, you know as as uh, uh, we've seen the same evolution uh, with junior and and professional tennis world. many many players have also moved away from from rushing that that type of model. And so for me, I think I learned the game backwards, and in many ways. I'm trying not to build my players the way I learned. I certainly wouldn't want my players to have really good net game and holes in their baseline. I'd much rather have it, if I have my druthers, I'd much rather have it the other way around. Uh, give me a player who's solid from the back, good ground stroke, steady, moves well, good endurance, You know, good good capacity to suffer, good, good uh, physical capabilities, good movement skills. Give me that player, and I, I can always. Uh, we can always add the net. We can always add a good transition. We can always add uh, improve the volley. Uh, I much rather have that than the other way around. So I guess a lot of the way I'm looking at a young child is from that through that lens and from that perspective. I don't want to have a player who's 11 or 12 who is not solid, as they say in Spain, is not solid from the back. And instead, has uh, incredibly good hands and great capabilities uh, with the volley, but they got big holes in their in their game from the backcourt. I, I think that makes me really nervous, and to be honest, I think that makes a player very nervous. That 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 builds, unfortunately, a lot of anxiety in a kid. So a kid who knows that they're not that consistent from the back they don't know how to rally they're not capable of rallying five or six or or eight or ten shots when a player knows that in in, intrinsic inside of them in in, intrinsically in in um, deep inside their soul they 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 it's it's anxiety producing because you know that you have a limited um, amount of shots that you can make and you, you're forced to rush that net, uh, especially as a kid if you're smaller. Very difficult to rush that. A lot of pressure on your shoulders to try to win point after point after point uh, that, that way. So that's kind of how I see it. Just a short little synopsis or summary of uh, kind of the Spanish way, a little more patient and go to net if there's an opening versus the Israeli way, the way I learned it. From my coach, and I definitely try not to teach the way I learned or the way I learned from my dad attack attack, attack, go to the net every point should finish at the net. you should try to strike first the the player who rises to to the net is usually victorious. you know that sort of approach versus no the Spanish approach no no the net is good i I like to go to the net I don't need to go to the net to win sometimes I may not go to the net, I may win this match from the back, or I may have uh, some opportunities to go to the net and finish and that's fine, that's excellent. You know, that's definitely more of the Spanish point of view, uh, vis-a-vis or you know juxtaposed with the 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 Israeli or however you want to call it the more aggressive uh, view of the of the net and net net attacking. So in terms of the technique, because I promised a little bit of technique today. Well, technique can get you get into a lot of debates about technique. But when I have a little kid in front of me, we got to make sure number one that the the grip the grip is good. There's usually one grip on the volley, um, the serve grip. Uh, so it's it's typically a continental grip. Uh, some players have a small shift with the forehand volley. I usually try to get uh, one grip just to make things simple and to save a little time. But you should be aware that some players have a subtle shift, maybe in the, in the heel pad. Uh, not, not very severe. And, and you should be aware that some players will hit more of a, a flatter type volley versus a slice volley. And I think that is the big question you have to ask yourselves as a coach or a parent, is do I want my kid to have more of an underspin volley that skids or do I want them to have more of a uh, flatter volley, where I where the the impact is more direct, and and um, I actually wrote an article about this for Tennis Player magazine. I think it was published last year in John Yandel's Tennis Player magazine. whom I'm I'm a contributing editor there. I've written many articles for Tennis Player, which is a great resource, by the way, a great technical resource. And I tried to break it down. It, or I think you have to decide. And you can sort of find the middle road, too, but you have to decide, am I going to teach a, more of a slice volley uh, where I, I focus on underspin? I want my players to get good underspin or, or more of a, a flat, simpler volley. And that's why I mentioned that the Israeli volley that I learned was definitely more of a slice volley where you try to cut the ball and get a lot of backward rotation on the ball and typically it's almost more of a, a little bit more of a chopping action, high, high to low with an open racket face. And that's why I mentioned it's a little more exquisite, maybe it's a slightly more complex technique as opposed to being more of a, a blocking action where the, the racket face is more square to the ball and you're just making impact and, and it can be quite powerful but, but essentially a, a flat style and i think there's some room for middle ground and what i usually do is i take the player i try to get them to impart underspin because i think that underspin is important for the control of the volley and also it helps the volley uh skid and die and you can you can apply different um what they say in in billiards you can different effects you can apply different effects to the ball different um different types of spin. You can apply side spin, back spin. Uh, you can also, of course, hit topspin volleys. I'm a big believer in the topspin volley, which is something that I, I definitely learned uh, in the Israeli system, but, but in the Spanish system, it's a big deal to take the ball out of the air with topspin. So I, I think for me, I, I lean towards teaching players how to spin the ball uh, with their volley, so that is uh, they should have a topspin volley, especially young kids because young kids get they get moonballed a lot, and the, the topspin volley is a great way to mitigate uh, a moonball strategy, an opponent who is utilizing a moonball strategy. So that's one thing, just tactically, it's good to have when you're a kid, and I just think philosophically, you want a player to be able to do any type of to do any. Uh, to manipulate the ball just like a cue ball in billiards to be able to manipulate the ball with different spins at the net. So that means you might they might uh, use their wrist to cut the ball sharp angle or sometimes when the ball is coming at your body you have to cut across the ball with inside out spin. There's outside in spins so it's kind of it's like different side spins on the ball and a good fundamental backspin on the ball when um, you have a, a standard volley. And then what I try to do as a middle road is I tell my players, if the ball is coming very fast, you can just set up the racket face more square and and utilize more of a blocking action. You can hit that one a little flatter. So for me, I've tried to find, I always try to find a a middle ground, you know, a, a synthesis rather than just taking one position or another. And that's sort of a happy medium that I found. We try to get a good slicing volley, and I teach that to the youngest kids. We try to get some underspin on the ball. I teach them about slice. So that's a little more, you know, it's a little more advanced than, than I think most coaches teach the volley. I, I definitely teach it in a, more, a slightly more complex, exquisite way, uh, a detailed way. Uh, I don't like to do just simple, like, punching, blocky uh, baby stuff with, with young kids. I like to challenge them and teach them about how to use their wrist to manipulate the ball. Uh, at the same time, I, I respect coaches who teach us simpler blocking volley. Tony Nadal is one of them. We talked about it in the last show where he really believes in just that simple uh, flat volley with ex- uh, extending through the ball, accompanying the ball, following the line of the, of the ball. And, you know, that's okay. Every coach is a little different. But for me, I'm partial to that Israeli approach, that beautiful, slightly complex volley style. Uh, learning how to apply different spins with the hand. I think that uh, there's a beauty to that, and it, it is an artistry to that, that I want my players to learn. Uh, that being said, what else? When I have a young kid in front of me, I, I I work a lot on the feet, you know, and it may be a Spanish thing or, uh, you know, I, I'm obsessed with the way the legs and the feet are working. In Spain, they, they work a lot on rising up to the net. They use that terminology a lot, which I like. Uh, rising to the net, so you rise up after a good shot, like a big forehand. You rise up and you try to pause with the good split step. Una pausa. Tony Nadal talks about it a lot. You rise and then you pause, and then you move for the volley. And I think that rhythm of the feet, that sequence, that that timing is easy to describe. And some of you may be listening, and being like, Yeah, duh you you move forward, you split step, you volley. But in my experience, especially with young kids, that movement sequence needs to be honed and practiced a lot. A lot of repetition on that on on those those footwork sequences starting from the midcourt, crossing through the service line and then and then uh finally moving to the net, those those sequences have to be practiced over and over again because the the they have to be automatic and the players often forget how uh, they they forget how to do it they get sloppy with their footwork and and in my experience that is uh one of the hardest things for kids to manage is with their feet when do they split step we talk about the split step all the time everyone says split step coaches know split step but But the split step is usually done wrong. The timing is poor. You know, the kids don't leave the ground right before the impact. They're either early or they're late. Some kids don't split step at all. A lot of times kids will just run straight forward to the net. And what I found in my practice, on my teaching course, I like to spend a lot of time. We'll shadow and rehearse those movements without the ball. And and then introduce the ball and make sure and then finally introduce live points. And I make sure I watch the players really carefully to make sure that they're when they do choose to rise to the net, they're they're executing that sequence of steps very well and they're timing the split step, they're pausing, they're not just running through shots. And then I try to link that to the footwork for the volley, which is relatively unique. One of the unique things is when you make the impact, typically on a standard volley, the foot is still in the air. So a lot of players struggle with that. They try to plant their foot like a ground stroke. You know, on a ground stroke, you plant your feet and then you make your swing. But on the volley, it's more fluid and continuous. You, you make your swing as you're stepping. And the foot usually comes to the ground after the ball is struck. So there's the impact of the ball and then your foot contacts the ground almost simultaneously or slightly after. So I think that timing of the step, learning how to make that lunging step, sometimes they call it a power lunge, loading the leg. After the split step, you load the back leg, get a power lunge, almost a jumping step forward, which gives you the closing in aspect. And then learning how to time the impact of the ball with the the movement of the opposite foot. I think that is also really critical. So I, I, I dial in and drill down into the footwork and movement, starting with that Y movement. Player hits an approach, comes forward on the the, the neck of the Y, and then uh, the two br- the the Y branches out left or right with uh, after the, at where the, where there's a split step. So you're coming up the the or the trunk of the Y, and then you split step. And then you branch out left or right. And there's, there's a lot of footwork to that. And the players have to learn to time it. And things happen so quickly at the net that oftentimes players, uh, you know, they, they freeze, they panic, they get stressed. Because the volley itself is not that complex uh, technique. You know, it's even the Israeli volley is just adding a little um, you know, cut, a little spin with the wrist, a little bit of the wrist and downward, downward. Uh, Swing path of the racket, but the volley is is a pretty short movement, you know, and it, there's it's not as complex as the ground strokes or serve by any means technically, but what makes the volley difficult is is that you're robbed of time. You're closer to the net, so so the ball's coming faster. You have less time to react, and so players get stressed out and they have trouble executing their technique under that time pressure. I think that's really the challenge. So. You know, those are uh, some ideas for you. Make sure you have uh, a good grip. If you believe in slice volley, encourage young kids to, to go right to work on applying different spins to the ball. Spend a lot of time on the footwork. If you have one footwork to master, it's that Y footwork where you're, you're rising, you're learning how to pause and stop your body and split and then making a power lunge forward to the ball on a diagonal. I think that simple Y movement pattern. Is fundamental and uh, even if you're working 10 or 20 percent of the time with a kid don't just park them at the net and work on keeping the wrist firm you know don't make those silly don't do those silly uh, country club type uh, volley lesson you know lessons and, and giving let uh, volley get out those volley tips you know firm wrist yeah of course firm wrist you know uh, um, don't just have your players stand statically Make, always work on the flow, because that's what they're gonna need in singles and doubles too, to some, doubles is a little more lateral sometimes. But, you know, the players are gonna need to learn how to flow from a ground stroke. Forward, time a split step, and then make another flow on a diagonal with the power lunge. And to me, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's the critical element of footwork to practice, though it involves the, the running, the splitting. Sometimes the split technique is not good. Like the player's too narrow, or they're not on their toes, or their balance could be off when they split. And then work on the timing of the lunging technique where they're making the impact at the appropriate time. You know, those are some of the most important uh, uh, footwork and technical aspects. I think it's a myth that there's no swing. I, I get that a lot from kids. There's, a, there's, there's no swing on the volley, right? You just block the ball. I mean, that's not true at all, it's never been true. I believe in, in being honest with children. You tell them, look, the volley is, uh, there is a swing. And the kids oftentimes will, will, will look at me like, whoa, what do you mean? Yeah, there, there's a swing. And, and depending on the speed of the ball, you need to adjust your swing to the speed of the incoming ball. I mean, that, I think that's a much more intelligent way to describe it to a kid. Rather than just saying, the volley means you stick your racket out and you just go big hand, and block, you know, I, I, I don't like that. It's too babyish. So, my recommendation is, is to explain to a kid that you have these parameters and you have maybe uh, 12 or 18 inches uh, for a typical volley swing, which is a short swing. You try to extend through the line of the shot, the Spanish way, you know, accompany the ball. Don't chop downward too much, like vertically down. Go downward on an angle, but keep extending out to the target. Definitely try to keep your wrist firm. A lot of kids really struggle to keep the wrist firm, but that should be in the context of movement, a dynamic, dynamic movement, a dynamic uh, lunging to the ball, dynamic, dynamic footwork. You know, not just standing statically and working on keep the wrist uh, firm, uh, unless you have a kid who who's really struggling with their their. Um, strength in their forearm. I do have some good drills for, uh, learn, for a kid uh, getting the reps to keep the, the wrist more solid, but, but that's like a specialty case. In general, try to keep things dynamic. Focus on the feet and focus on the feet in coordination with the, the handwork. The, the back end volley, typically the hands move away. The hands break apart. And on the forehand volley, I like to teach the hands coming together, kind of a little bit mirror image. That's an old uh, Israeli technique. You, the hands come inward a little bit. There's some different options for the hand positions, but I like to teach that. I like to explain that to kids, help them think about hands coming together, hands coming apart, hands a little more together for the forehand volley. It's not the only way to hit a forehand volley, but I'm just saying as a, as a uh, an outline, a, a blueprint, uh, a model for for a child to learn, then I think that's very helpful to understand the opposites. Forehand volley, I turn my shoulders, my hands come together a little bit. Uh, backhand volley, I turn my shoulders and my hands go apart. Uh, so th- those kind of uh, simple things, simple technique, if you, you need uh, more volley technique resources, I recommend my, my book, my, my first book, The Tennis Technique Bible, where we have a whole chapter on the volley. I believe that's in volume one of The Tennis Technique Bible. I have to double check that. I believe we have a whole chapter on the volley, uh, both volleys, forehand, backhand volley. And the, uh, the resource tennisplayer.net, the magazine, the technical magazine is excellent. And John Yandel and I have written many articles, we've co-authored articles. I I write a lot of articles for them and and we have some really good resources there for the volley. You know, if you need technical help, you can also message me directly, send me some videos. You know, parents love to do that. I get lots of videos every week from parents and also from coaches who are learning from me, whether it's through my distance courses, my video courses, or they somehow connected with me uh, either in person or online, or at, at conferences or whatever. You know, um, if you have questions about the volley, just shoot me some videos, shoot me some questions, and I will do my best to answer. Because there, obviously, there's a lot of technical nuances, and I didn't want to uh, make it a dreary podcast. You know, uh, uh, I just wanted to touch on some of the the elements that I I love to work on. Um, with my students but there are many uh smaller details that I, I can't cover in one show and if you have a specific question please uh, reach out to me and we can talk volley we can talk the net uh i wanted to close and just sort of mention that the 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 era of serving volley i don't know what's going to happen it, it's over and i have a, i really hope it, it comes back in some form because i miss the the, the stylistic matchups i miss that you would see a servant volley or play a baseline player. I thought it added a lot of color and entertainment to the game. It's fun to see different styles, similar to MMA, where it's fun to see a wrestler fight a boxer, it's fun to see a jujitsu guy challenge a kickboxer or what have you. And tennis is always I, I, one of the things I loved about tennis as a kid is you'd see these different stylistic matchups, and I think that's something sorely missed. In today's game, so I have a hope that the servant volley can return. Uh, I don't know if it's going to require the 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 balls to get faster again, the the courts to get a little faster. I'd love to see more variety in court surface uh, speed. Right now, there, there's there's uh, there's a homogeneity to the to the tour. You know, the clay and the hard courts are not that far apart in speed, and so what you have is. Uh, players who are all playing the same way so i hope that in the future there's a place for a serving volley player it may require uh, a really big athletic kid like a, uh someone very maybe tall, there's a lot more taller players now maybe someone who has got a, a really big serve six six and moves like lebron you know it may require a better athlete to make it happen or it may re- the, the tour may have to make some changes to the speed of the core the speed of the balls you know the uh, the balls have, have a little bit less uh, compression now, and, and they're they're not traveling as fast. And you know, so it, it, some of it may be the environment of the game, and and some of it may be the athletes may have to step up. A bigger, more explosive athlete may have to step up and make uh, the serve and volley popular again. But I, th- I think it's not out of the realm of possibility. But certainly in the short term, we are not seeing many players who are are moving to net behind the serve that much, but. You are seeing more players trying to shorten points and who are quite successful at the net, so I'm encouraged by that. But remember, as a final thought, the baseline is the priority. Don't let a kid go through the junior years with holes in their baseline game. Don't sacrifice a baseline game to the net game. If a player wants to have a good net game, you can bargain with them and tell them, hey, no problem, let's work on your net game, but you need to be solid from the backcourt too. You have to have both. Do not let a kid grow up with big holes in the baseline game. I repeat, do not let a kid grow up with big holes in the base. It creates a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. It's fine to work on the volley, but not, not to, to uh, the detriment of a solid baseline game. So look out for the magicians. If you have a magician in, uh, who you're working with or uh, you're, you're, you're training, That kid is going to want to play a little more at the net and honor that, you know, um, cherish that and and nurture that. However, even that magician needs to learn how to be solid from the baseline. That will give them a lot more confidence and give them more tactical options also when they play. So great show, guys. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in the next few weeks. We have um, more shows rolling out here in the new year, 2021. Happy New Year, everyone. This was the first show of 2021. I promised you the volley episode. I hope you enjoyed it. So, we are going to do some I uh, had some interesting show topics coming up. I will share those with you very soon. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for your likes and your your thumbs up and your recommendations. Thank you for sharing the show with others. And remember, you can find me at com. You can find me at prodigymaker.com, which is my blog if you're interested in following my my writing or my what I'm doing with with uh, my coaching, or uh, what's happening with the academy in Manchester, Vermont. Just you you can follow me in many ways on socials. And I appreciate the support. I appreciate you um, taking the time to listen to my thoughts on on junior development. And I hope to see you guys more in the new year. So have a great. Have a great day, and I will talk to you guys on the next program.
0: We hope you enjoyed the program. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and recommend the show to your friends. We greatly appreciate your likes and shares. Thank you for your support of the show and for helping us grow our audience. If you would like to train with Chris, please visit chrislewitt.com for more info. You can also join Chris's online school, clta.teachable.com, and follow his blog at prodigymaker.com. A reminder that all show archives can be found at youtube.com forward slash Lewitt, and the show can be watched live on Facebook. Just search Chris LeWitt on Facebook to join the show. Thanks for listening to